Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Better Events Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about trade show tips and tricks with Lynn Edwards. This is a really important conversation that we're having because we have not yet talked about trade shows on the podcast. Lynn is going to break down some things just about trade shows and then also ways that they can improve. There's lots of room for improvement with trade shows, and so we are so excited to have this conversation. So let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Logan Clements, and I'm joined by fellow co-host Mary Davidson. And just to save as much time as possible for our amazing guest on this episode, Lynn Edwards, talking to us all about trade shows, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Mary, to introduce her so we can just jump right into it. Absolutely. I am happy to do so. So Lynn Edwards was one of our speakers that we had at the Better Events Conference, and it was a jam-packed session full of lots of great information. And then so we wanted to bring her on here for the podcast. And so to introduce Lynn, for those of you who are not familiar with her, Lynn has over three decades of experience in the dynamic world of event planning. And Lynn Edwards is a luminary in her field. As founder and CEO of Proper Planning, Lynn has amassed a large and reputable clientele base, planning events of various sizes across a multitude of industries. Now bringing her experience Experience and her meticulous attention to detail, visionary approach to event design and client relationship skills to Evo3, Lynn is here to propel Evo3 events to the top of the events industry and bring an invaluable dimension to our mission of evolving the events industry for Evo3. And so Lynn, thank you so much for being here. That I know was a jam-packed bio, but when it comes down to it, you've got a lot of experience and you have a lot to share. So we are thrilled to have you. Well, thank you. It is a wordy, wordy bio, but I appreciate you sharing what brings me here today and how, how I got here. And I have some street cred to be able to share what I know after all these years. Yeah, thank you. And I'm excited to jump into this discussion. But just a little context, Mary alluded for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you that we had you at our uh, Better Events Conference just last year in December. And you mentioned trade shows briefly in your session and how passionate you were about them. So we knew we had to have you on to learn more. Um, and I know we had so many, just so much feedback from attendees who said you were, your session was jam packed with those tips and tricks. So we can't wait to see what this episode, especially cause I will say trade shows are not my forte. I've definitely turned down work around trade shows, just being like, Oh, it's not my thing. Cause it's a whole nother beast. So we appreciate having you, having you here. And as we start most episodes, we like to be really start broad and define kind of some of these terms we're going to use. Um, so trade shows feel like their own category, but how would you define a trade show? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to, to jump into this specific topic because we were discussing sponsorships and partnerships in general and funding partner stakeholders, that kind of thing, and how to build those uh, mutually beneficial programs in, in your events. But specifically around the trade show, it's it's historically been the place where suppliers to a particular industry get an opportunity to show their wares and hopefully conduct business on the on the trade show floor generate leads for companies so you know where more than one are gathered people will pay to be there you know if you gather a thousand bankers 
there's companies that provides goods and services to the banking industry, and they would welcome the opportunity to put up their, their wares or their services information in a display incorporated as part of the show. And it, it really has been such a huge funding partner for, for so many event owners. You know, they do understand that where more than one are gathered, people will pay to be there. And the sponsorship opportunities are brand elevation and activation and engagement. But the trade show portion is truly is let me tell you our story and hopefully we can do business together. That's super helpful. As Logan said, I also don't have a lot of trade show experience. So I'm over, I'm over here like, actually, I really need to know some of these answers. So this is, this is already great. I'm already learning. Um, but what kind of events have trade shows? Because once again, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm new to this, but can they be their own event? Are they incorporated as parts of events? And like, how does that work? Yeah, there's inside of even trade shows, there's consumer events, right? Where if you think you would go to like a wedding show or, or a lawn and garden show, the, those are in a way, again, an opportunity to buy goods and services, but it's a more consumer based. So B2C experiences. Typically in the event world, um, there are shows that stand alone. I mean, CES is one of the hugest, you know, consumer electronics show, which I think got a new name this year. Uh, but that all the, you know, that has content, but also the majority of people go there to be part of that trade show experience. And the displays are phenomenal. And the activations are great. Um, historically, the trade associations the have had a trade show as part of their annual conference you know so an association gathers their function as an association typically is to educate connect and advocate right so when they talk about connecting that piece is that if there's a hundred bankers there i sell whatever service you know banking automation on Mac teller machines or whatever, right? I know that's the one place that I can efficiently go and intersect with, you know, a hundred bankers and show them our latest technology um, in our booth or display type thing. So it's again, a huge funding source for trade associations. They, um, a lot of event owners subsidize their event costs significantly by offering a trade show. Certainly sponsorship, but the trade show is a big element of that. Um, and, you know, booth prices range depending on what you're doing, anywhere from five hundred dollars to $50,000, depending on the display that you might have. So it really is a funding source for these uh, trade associations are the predominant one that I think of. But anytime there's a group gathered, there's an opportunity to bring in the partners who provide goods and services and give them a display area, help them fund the event. So this is similar to like, like if listeners have been to IMAX, right? They have that like trade show floor essentially. And that's, that is that, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting how it's even, you know, Expo is another name that's, that's used, you know, uh, in conjunction with trade show. It's similar to like, are people sponsors? Are they, are they exhibitors? Are they vendors? Are there's all these words that kind of swirl around together. But I think when you talk about a trade show, it's implied that people are there to trade or to promote goods and services. That's the whole functionality of it is that there's buyers coming in to see sellers. Expo is maybe, again, maybe it's more of a demo area or an exposition, not necessarily the trade portion. Yeah, I've definitely heard them used interchangeably. I'm sure I'm guilty of doing it as well. I think my, now like you're making me reflect, I do have a sales conference for a internal 
like a company's internal event that they have a trade show, but it's where they bring in suppliers to help. It's more of educational. So they want to educate their sales reps on all these products and supplies that they then go out and and sell. So to your point, there's trade happening. It just, I think, is a little less obvious. Um, yeah. And when you say revenue, you mean that the re- exhibitors or the vendors, they're paying to have a booth. Yep. And does that booth fee usually include that amazing build out or is that that's like an additional cost right of what I want to do with the amount of space that I'm given so there's a that is additional space. yeah there yeah. it typically includes a base package of where you'll get um you know you get a whatever space you bought eight by ten ten by ten ten twenty by twenty um and then typically exhibitor kits come and they allow you to lay in wi-fi power carpet pads rent furniture, put up some cool trees. And then there's an additional spin. I mean, I do a show every year that has their build out is about a hundred thousand dollars. So they buy this, the trade show space, they buy the infrastructure of power and Wi-Fi and all that stuff, but then they spend a hundred thousand dollars on their 20 by 20 display. It's phenomenal. So that's the kind of thing where you're talking about CES, where you'll see people having a presence at a show and they invest in that build of how they show up there. So it's layered, but typically, again, for the show event owners, you're going to have an expense associated um, with providing them their space. Unless you literally just everybody, you know, you you have a, a cost associated with a base package of having vendors in your show. Gotcha. So you would say like, so if we summarize the intended outcome of trade shows, it is a revenue generation thing, but then also it's the ability to trade and do business like you're mentioning. Any other key components that we haven't talked about or anything that makes it stand out from other events? Well, I think one of the things when we get into kind of rethinking and reinventing trade shows, I've got some ideas about what a trade show should be. But that's the that's the historical, again, 30 plus years. I've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of pipe and drape <laughs> of every color and uh you know, had vendors there, exhibitors there in the trade show with the intention to do business with the attendees. Yeah, I, I want to hear more about what you think they should be doing because I am thinking of my own experience where I've gone to event trade shows where it is to meet event vendors. And I'm just trying to reflect on the ones that I look forward to is like the interactive ones. You know, if it's a catering company getting to actually taste the food and interact with their staff that's there, that's valuable to me. And I definitely hired vendors from having met them and tasted and seen what they've done. But then I think of some other like entertainment groups and things that I've been like, I don't know, in a trade show I've been, I've been wanting, you know, who am I making eye contact with? I definitely find I get overwhelmed just as an attendee going to a trade show, even if there's intention behind it, I'm not just randomly wandering. Um, But that I've found, I'm like, oh, the ones where I've touched and experienced their service in the trade show format, then I've actually booked, but there's a lot of people I feel like that might force it. Um, where it's not the right fit. Um, but Lynn, I want to hear from you. What what could they be doing better? Well, I think that the main thing is that it still makes sense. It's an efficient way for, if you are a vendor, it's an efficient way for you to get in front of a lot of consumers, right? And then for the consumer, it's an efficient way that if I'm going to go to this industry function and I'm going to learn about banking, um, then I don't mind rubbing elbows with people who sell ATM machines. I understand that's part of it, that when I go there, there's an opportunity to meet potential partners, suppliers, vendors, whatever, whatever the word would be. But I think that what happened 
And certainly during COVID and all that, I think what happened is the companies that were buying into this opportunity, they weren't great at putting together their space or even being really clear with their marketing goals and strategies. It was like a necessary evil. It was like, oh, we have to go to the Bankers Association every year. Go in, pop up a booth, sit there, do your thing. We're going to, as part of our benefit, we're going to get a list of who attended. So we'll just, you know, do our own thing with that. We're going to, uh, the people coming through the trade show, we're a little bit more tolerant of, let me go through the trade show and pick up some candy and pens and give them some FaceTime because they're here. And if if they weren't here, this event would cost me four times as much for a ticket. So let me just appease them and walk the, through the pipe and drape, right? So it, it kind of was working for both sides. It's efficient. It's um, it, it makes a ton of sense that they would want to show up and, and have access to your audience that you've gathered and the event owner saw an opportunity for revenue. So that all worked. But I think what's happened is that the lead generation capability has gotten so sophisticated, right? You really are able to go into a show. And if you're an event owner, you should have the ability for or encourage your vendors to have some sort of lead gen tracking mechanism. If I spent $10,000 for my booth and I went there to see 100 bankers and I only intersected with two and only left with two contacts, I'm going to be in trouble. We're not going to you know, spend that money again next year. So everyone wanted to make sure we were capturing you know, what the interaction was. And so now we have all these great tools to do that. So the sponsors or the vendors should be having some sort of mechanism to collect and go directly into their um, CRM and go into the sales force. And I mean, it's very sophisticated that they can show hard ROI. Because what used to happen is you'd sell out a hundred booths and people would say, I'm not sure I got any business from that show. And my question to them would be like, what did you do ahead of time to identify your top potential customers at this bankers conference? What did you do during the show to engage them in your booth? What did you do post-show to move the sales process forward versus just collect cards in a fishbowl for a free giveaway, right? Putting the onus back on the vendor what did you do to take advantage of a $10,000 investment to generate millions of dollars in, in business? We don't really see any action that you did that. I have run so many trainings for um, exhibitors to try to help them help themselves. And it's very frustrating. It's gotten even worse. I think as the next generation comes through, they're not super comfortable. Networking is kind of a weird, scary name, scary thing for them. Selling from a booth, they get in there, they get behind the six foot table. They're on their phone the entire time. You know, they don't engage these people as a, a true sales opportunity. They don't even leave the booth. If I if I paid my money and I got a full conference registration, I'm going to the bar or the pool or to the golf tournament. I'm going to be there. I'm going to meet as many bankers as possible. But they don't seem to have that sales sense of how do I take advantage of this opportunity? So one client that I have is it's just a stellar example. They invest again ten thousand dollars, I think, in a diamond sponsor, but they have they buy a separate meeting room really close to the trade show floor. They do 10 meetings a day with the CEO during the show in a separate private room. They come to the booth, they take them over to the meeting room to do a direct they're either current clients to say thank you for your business and upsell them or potential new business. Then they have a community party at night at that event. They do, you know, one-to-one -one dinners with customers. Like they really 
lean into the opportunity to be in and around 100 bankers. I'm using that example, right? But if they're going to go, they're not just going to sit behind their table. They're going to really go and meet all the bankers and say, we do have a booth. If you want to come talk to me over here, I can show you the demo of the latest software in our booth. But nice to meet you. Let's get you in my lead gen so I can do all the follow-up necessary. So I think it got broken when it really came to the attendees didn't want to go in there and get solicited. And the vendors were paying their money, but they really weren't taking advantage of the opportunity. That's where I saw it, it break the most. It was a necessary evil. The vendors didn't like schlepping their gear in. They took all the brochures out. They spent the money on the brochure. Like it just seemed antiquated in a lot of ways. It wasn't focused on the engagement. And that's what I would say the biggest change has been for us is to how do we get people engaged in the trade show physical space, and then with the, each of the vendors individually. So I'm going to take a pause because that was a big history, of how it broke and what I think we need to do to fix it and focusing on that engagement. But questions about how we got here? <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting because you're right. Yeah, I've been reflecting as you've been saying this, and there was an event that I went to that I was working and there was this um, exhibitor and they brought like this VR stuff that was part of their product and they did this really cool thing. And then I saw about another event, completely different state, like a year later, like very random. I didn't know that they were going to be there. And I was like, wait, this is the same company. And it was like the lamest setup I've ever seen. And they didn't even bring their like VR technology. And it was just someone sitting there on their phone. They didn't even have brochures. And I was like, I've seen you do an amazing job because it stood out to me. And mm -hmm. now this is awful like where's the disconnect and so i think what you've shared just is interesting i definitely think it's true um and i'm curious i don't want to sidebar too much here but i do want to ask because it's popping in my head what do you think about hosted buyer experiences within the event industry because isn't that I, kind I of part of bad the yeah problem? i think it's, you know they, they kind of tried to improve like so imagine a our keynote talking head right and then you got these you know a speed stage with with TED Talks for seven minutes. I, I feel like that's what Hosted Buyer did for trade shows. They condensed it down into a five-minute appointment with a set group of people that you're going to meet with, and they kind of put the trade show on steroids, right? They also created a consistent opportunity for people to present. So every Hosted Buyer I've been to, everyone's just working off an iPad, showing me pictures of their venues, and it's they're not hauling this big eight by 10, slapping this thing around. So I think it's a great opportunity. It goes back to efficiency, right? If I'm going to go and try to find six new incredible resorts to have my events, I'd rather do it at one hosted buyer thing and have everybody sit in front of me or me move to tables and meet all six right there, shake a hand and get it done instead of me going to six destinations to try to. So it's not broken from the fundamental uh, aspect from, in my opinion, that it's still a great opportunity for both parties. It just has to be done really well. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is that you have to be thoughtful about your story that you're telling. If you realize, like, if you put up a billboard and spend $5,000 a month for, what is that four second story you're telling on the billboard? If you see a sales opportunity, and this is where I go back to, unfortunately, these frontline salespeople that get asked to go to the XYZ trade show, they're just not great 
salespeople at promoting their own product. I hate to say it, but it's, it's a challenge. They will do the least, the bare minimum of our, again, just kind of pop up this way and said, my boss told me to come here to this trade show. Da, 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 here I am. Where are my leads? I got to go back and tell them I did business. And you're like, well, what did you do to, to take advantage of this? And if you go buy some of those, you know, even the format, let's just start with pipe and drape. It's, <laughs> It is just tired. It's old. It's not innovative. You know, we, we've done clusters. We've done these really cool. Every vendor got a really cool demo station. It was a kiosk that we bought instead of, you know, as part of their investment. We put on the floor a kiosk for them to have a digital uh, component. Everybody's was the same. The top was branded. And then they had a kind of a three by six form core on the side of their demo station that had three key selling points of who they are and what they do. And then it was show and tell, away we go. And show and tell will never get old. That's, again, I want to give, you know, props where it's due. This isn't an old, tired thing to put out to pasture. This needs to be reimagined. And I do think that those kiosks created uniformity. They created a lot less physical imprint. They allowed us to put stuff in the trade show and this is a tip I would say, put as much non-trade show stuff in your trade show as possible. People used to just roll in a coffee station in the back of the room and call it good. But I'm talking a tech lounge. I'm talking, uh, you know, LinkedIn was a major sponsor at a trade show we did. And they did a cool, huge uh, how to leverage LinkedIn and photo, get a new headshot and like activities and add value to the guest experience beside just being sold to. So the more you can put in there. Uh, again, a lightning talk stage, a, um, you know, we had a one group that had as part of the trade show, they had the top 10 most innovative products of the year and people like got nominated to get that space. But that attendees went to look at that. And of course they went by for the coffee, but they went to see the innovation center. They went to get a new headshot. We, you have to create that traffic and reason for them to be in there. The other thing that I think is really old is the way we do the trade shows. We do them over, you know, come in the day before, you're paying more costs for the space, give you plenty of time to set up, do your whole show and be there the whole time and move out when we leave. I mean, if you've ever been to, you'll get run over by exhibitors at the end of a show. They are out of there. They're ready to go, right? So the timing of it should be less. It should be condensed. Like, hey, every attendee, it's time to go to the trade show, get some cool coffee, food, drinks, headshots. But we're going to do it in this two-hour time frame, and we know that that's enough time for everybody to get around to every booth. And then, therefore, vendor, you're not having a three-night stay, travel for four days out of office. Like, condense it. Make it cool, immersive. Make it, like, it's time. <laughs> you know, when you go on vacation, you know when it's time to go get your, your condo sales pitch. It's like, bring it on. I, I'm ready for this. I'm going to a three-day three uh, vacation, but I'm getting my pitch. So I think you can, they can be shorter. They can be more visually interesting. They can have value adds in there that are things that are other than selling experiences. Um, you could put a, ask the expert or a speaker, you know, every time a speaker comes off the stage, people want to chat with them. We had a trade show where we put in the back corner of the trade show, a chance to ask the, ask the speakers questions. And we made them do a 30 minute stint in the ask the expert lounge in the trade show. So again, people were driven. I heard this keynote. I got this burning question. Let me make my way over to the trade show and go check this out. Um, one thing I think is amazing is that people are going to continue to do business when they're at a three, two, three, four, even one day conference. Putting We put some really cool um, conference call booths along the back wall of the trade show. 
and, and lounges for people to work and check email. And I got to pop into this phone booth to do my conference call, but I'm going to, so that, that trade show area becomes the communal space throughout the show. And yes, popcorn smells good and will drive people to your booth and all of those other fun, catchy things, games, putting, putting, you know, contests, spinning wheel, everyone loves that stuff. (laughs) As you say, anything interactive. I think you're right with like the intention, you know, making sure it's an intentional interaction. If you're trying to get people to engage with you, like you have to do something and all my negative ones are the ones where it's like, they're just trying to sell you something. And it's like, that's not what I was looking for. You know, or and again, a lot of me for, for for myself of going to trade shows, it's like I don't know what vendors often that I need until I need them like a month from now. And so for me, when I go to these things, I'm like, I don't have something concrete right now because we've already booked it out, you know, a year ago, but I might need you in the future. And you know, when I need it, I'm gonna need it super quick. Uh, so there I feel like there's some some value in there. I like that you're saying make it the community hub, because I think that is yeah. something that a lot of um events are missing and that might be a way to put more energy into the trade show part of it versus an afterthought. Um, but we've had some folks ask, I think this was, I can't remember if it's a conference or if we had a listener write in about, but just wondering as a trade show exhibitor who does an event annually or goes to it multiple times a year, do you have any tips or anything for how they can keep it fresh or, yeah. you know, what should they do differently each year? Well, I think that if you're standing in front of a trade show booth you should be able to understand who is this and what do they do? And you would be shocked if you went down 200 booths and it was clear to you, who is this and what do they do? So I think, (laughs) I mean, it's like having a PowerPoint font, whatever, and you can't even read it. You know, it's like, again, there, I would suggest that if you really want to retain great sponsor or great vendors, you know, you could do a training and be like, here's booth one and booth two, which, which of these do you think, you know, are you telling your story efficiently? And then what is the engagement point? So I think it's important to have a consistent story. This is just kind of marketing and sales 101. You know, you have to have a consistent story year over year. So the look and brand and unless you've done a major rebrand, it should be look and feel the same as your branding guidelines. It should be clear who you are and what you do. And then if you've got a specific uh, initiative in a particular year or a new product or something, that should be the focus. Here we are, AT&T, we got blue and white branding. You understand we do these services. By the way, we now have mobile 6G or some crazy thing. You know, and I, if I, so if you took that on, I'd be like, listen, this is our booth. We're going to use our same booth. We're going to put some crazy LED lights that go across it that show that last year's speed compared to this year's speed. And they're going to run side by side. And people are going to stand there and go, huh, ATT is faster than they used to be. Like, this is the job of the people who buying the space for you to, to, to have a great booth because then the attendees love it, right? It's hard when the attendees really feel like there's nothing there there for me. I don't even know who these people are, what they do. What's there for me is free candy and free pens. Like even the merch should be super intentional. And we're, we're really fortunate now to be part of Evo 3 events. And we have merch as part of our offerings. We have the conversation all the time about how merch is so disconnected from any brand elevation or any brand strategy. You know, one group we did 
really high-end merch with these trucker hats because the audience was very much into the trucker hats, but we made it a collectible. So year over year, and there was only a certain amount. So you had to get there early to get them. And people loved it. They were like, did you get this year's, you know, collectible hat? It, it really created a lot of buzz and it was supporting what they did for a living as a trucking company, right? So again, put a pen, you've got to make all the decisions around is it going to be heavy to ship it? Is it, are we going to, how much, where do we store it in the booth? We only have this much space. It, all of those things have to be factored in. But I think at the top level, does this reinforce our brand? Does this merch? Because don't underestimate the power of swag. I've been at Microsoft shows and seen bajillionaires fighting over a $7 t-shirt. It's crazy. <laughs> they could have gone and bought the factory that does t-shirts, but they wanted that collectible. I went to tech ed this year, that year, the next year, you know, so you, it's important to have that stuff because people do love it. They don't mind filling up their bag with cool gadgets and stuff like that, but stay on top of what the latest, coolest gadgets are. And does it align with your brand message? I love that so much. And, and yeah, shout out to Evo three. We got little uh, gift boxes, Logan and I from the conference and um, one of my favorite things. And it was uh, the, like a chocolate cookie and the chocolate was, is engraved the right word. So it wasn't like the wrapping that was branded. It was the cookie itself, like the chocolate. Yes. yes. And I was like, you know what's, one of the craziest things that I got that at a trade show somewhere is this little, like it's a keychain, but it's a little box cutter. And I use it every day for my Amazon boxes. And it's so funny. I look at that company's name every single day when I'm cutting those things because it's just compact and it's awesome. So it doesn't even need to be that it it's a trucker hat because you're a trucking company. It doesn't have to be that literal. It just has to be like, if you're about sustainability, there's amazing sustainability merch that goes in there. But Merch shouldn't be an afterthought. It shouldn't be just like, let's get some mints with our logo on it. It really should be a discussion of, do we want a little, a low cost item for everybody? Do we want to do a drawing for a really high value Lululemon outfit of their choice? Do we want to, you know, all of that will drive traffic and they all have their, their place to decide what works for you. Yeah. I feel like one more successful one I wanted to shout out because Mary, we did this at an event pros was for a destination that I don't even know if that's what they're famous for, but they did a pickleball tournament. And this was my first exposure to pickleball was ahead of they and they had to do ahead of time emailing out being like, hi, you know, we need people to sign up for this. And Mary talked me into it because I've never played pickleball before. And I thought I was like, we're networking. Why would I want to get all sweaty and change into workout clothes? It ended up being probably one of the highlights of the entire conference. I got to know the people on my team. I think it was for visit Myr Myrtle Beach did it. It was like so smart. And all they had to do was it was the court, the paddles, the balls. And they had an official referee who really just kind of told us what to do and where to go. The whole time but it was a very memorable fun interactive thing and then because we were having fun that was like a draw for other people to come and you know see and look at their branding and it was one of those where i'm like they didn't give me anything but i have this great memory and this great experience over the course of two days of doing this trying pickleball against some with some other beginners against some very experienced people it was kind of funny in the end <laughs> i think any you know those are things that i see as engagement pieces or sponsorships that should add to the trade show, but I think sometimes the trade show is a necessary evil to have a physical display space to send people, you know, and the one that we do the big diamond sponsor, it's our home base on the trade show floor with all the other industry people. You have to, it's, you have to be seen in that logo soup, that brand soup. So you need your, your physical display, but then that other group leverages it with the meeting room, private dinners, all the other ways that they're going to try to scoop people up and, and get FaceTime. That's amazing. And so Lynn, for anyone who's listening to this and they plan trade shows, 
you've given so many great ideas. What would you say out of out of all those ideas, or maybe it's something different? What's one thing that they can take with them, you know, like tomorrow that they can start doing to enhance their trade show? Where should they focus? I think the first step is to ask their attendees and their sponsors, is it working? Why or why not? I, I'm big into don't assume and, you know, programming, took a college programming class. And it's like, just don't assume that, you know, ask your vendors, is it working? And they're like, no, we don't want to stay that long. I've, I've found out so much information from, and each industry is different, right? Um, <clears throat> but I'd ask them, what do you, how's it working for you? What is your, your favorite part of the trade show? Does the floor plan work? Do you get good traction? Do you do anything ahead of time or post it? I think the number one thing I would say is start with feedback from your particular group. The second thing I would say is think about the guest experience and think about the design of the show itself. Does it create traffic for everybody and value for everybody? Well, and we could keep talking to you for hours. I'm sure I feel like we just scratched the surface of your wealth of knowledge about trade shows and events in general. But uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you want to add to to what we've been talking about today? Um, no, I think, again, I, I want to say that, you know, we I don't think we should throw the baby out with the bathwater. Trade shows are probably here to stay. You know, people are willing to pay to be there and do business with a particular audience. And we just have to do better by the vendors themselves and by the attendees and make it really cool, interesting, and valuable for both parties. I love that. And it's so true. And and honestly, I've learned so much today. The more you've talked about it, the more I'm like, oh, I have been to these. I have participated in them. And that's almost sad. So I'm excited for some exciting trade shows. Yes. Hopefully. Well, I'm doing my best. But it is not, I will say, it's not easy. People, it's, it's like turning the Titanic when you tell the vendors, we're not going to do eight by 10 booths. We're going to do this cool, like little mixed loungy. And they're just like, what, where do I put my eight by 10? They, they just are creatures of habit and they, they want to go from show to show and make it easy on them and ship it and put it up and put it. They, they're not really like, I'm down. Let's do something creative and, and have better engagement. So be, be patient with it, but maybe start little, add some new things into the show that are non-sales related to kind of, again, add that value to the space that they've paid to be in. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for sharing your expertise. Before we let you go, where can listeners find you if they want to follow along on your journey and what you're up to? Where's the best place for them to look? Yeah, find me on LinkedIn, Lynn Edwards, Evo3 Events and Proper Planning Founder. And yeah, let's connect and share ideas. I try to put out content and um, have people engage with other event profs. I appreciate you guys doing this podcast so much. It's great. It's a great value add for our community. And happy to help. But if people want to follow up and uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, happy to answer any questions. Let's Amazing. do some cool trade shows in 2024. Woo. <laughs> Onward and upward. I love it. <laughs> Thank you All right. so much. Thank Lynn. you, ladies. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn. And that does bring us to the end of our episode. But before we go, we have our bonus tip, which Logan has for us today. Yes. So this week's bonus tip is Something for, I'd say, anything you're doing virtual, whether it's a meeting, a webinar, or an event, but I encourage you to explicitly find time to take a group photo. This is if one of your goals maybe for 2024 is that everything is content. It is much easier to say, let's take a quick photo and take some screenshots while everyone is aware and looking at their cameras than to try to grab that after the fact from your recording. We speak from experience. If we've forgotten here for the podcast, Mary or I, it's inevitable one of us will look uninterested with our eyes closed because that's just, it's impossible to get it from the recording unless everyone's laughing at the same time. So give your gift to future you, give you give yourself some of that content, whether it's a team 
you know, end of the team and a team huddle of some form or your webinar audience or even just your speakers, take that screenshot, write it in your run of show in your notes and make sure you capture that. Love it. Great bonus tip. I have learned from this, this from Logan and we've taken many a group photo because of it. So it does work and it's quite fun. So thank you, Logan, for that tip. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Better Events Pod. You can email us at bettereventspod at gmail.com or even visit our website, bettereventspod.com. And then please connect with Logan and I directly on LinkedIn as well. We love to connect with you. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We will be back with you again next Wednesday. 